Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Previously on the Colton Collective podcast, we were reviewing Doctor Who, and uh, Darth liked some stuff. Uh, Mark didn't like some stuff so much. Um, I was kind of ambivalent about things, and Dave was drunk. Um, speaking of Dave, hey Dave, I've just stepped out of the shower. I missed all that. What's happening on the on the show? Oh, oh, oh pick your towel. Ta- pick, pick your towel up. Oh, I didn't need to see that. No, the show. no, it's a reference to a, a long-standing joke about uh, none of none of what happened in the last year is real because uh, Bobby was in the shower. Hmm. Yes. No, Dallas. Oh, back on Bobby. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh well, yeah. Yes, we Very never fine. know what's happening here. Uh, that's one no. of the part of the joys of doing this podcast. It is. Uh, uh, both you and I, as well as the listeners, never really know what we're going to get. No. And uh, speaking of, you know, not knowing what we're ever going to get, uh, let's see who's in the room. And uh, apparently, I don't know whether I was misheard or just uh, garbling my speech, um, but apparently, uh, Mark Randall Thor is here. Hello, Mark. <laughs> I'm unmuted. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm changing your name to Mark now. You're officially Mark. Hi, apparently. I'm Mark, oh. Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3. Yeah, I was just saying that. It must be Vandal Thor Mark 2. Hey, Mark 2. <laughs> anyway, also joining us on audio, Mr. Dark Skeptical is here. Hello, good sir. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Suffering in silence. <laughs> Me in silence. That's one of, yeah. your, one, of your, one of your best jokes, that Ian. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you could join us. And um, yeah, no, that's all of us on audio. It's just a, you know, it's, it, it's not uh, it's not about quantity. It's about quality, folks. Quality. Not that you, you, none of you are welcome, but you know, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So it's time to see uh, who's under the cone. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. Do not overuse the cone of silence. Do not shout in the cone of silence. In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. And as always, under the cone, keeping order, it's Cybob. And nobody else. So keep yourself in order. Uh, that's an order. Yeah. 
that worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, the intro at the beginning of the show, I actually worked on for like a solid day. Not the whole day, just, you know, yeah. when I was drunk. You know, I, anyway. I, I, I think as Cybob was our Ian Chesterton, you know, is at the BBC yeah. Centre checking the car parks. Well, mm -hmm. Ian Chesterton is. Uh, and Cybob's here checking our uh, our uh, car parks and uh, ins and outs and what have you. And just making sure, as you said, things are all tickety-boo. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Keeping himself in order. Good job. Good job. Brilliant job. He always does a great job of it. All right. Well, um, uh, that's all the introductions we need. Uh, Typing Monkey's got the day off. Um, there's a bit of news. Uh, there's birthdays and stuff, but we'll get to that while we're talking and stuff like that. Or now. But it wasn't worth letting the monkey out of his cage. He drank too much last time. <clears throat> all right. We could mention that uh, we have apologies from Ken, who we made apologies for last week, and then and then he showed up. He showed up, so uh, yeah. that was that was a nice bonus. And you know, if we're flagging midway, he may well join us again today. We hope so. And the little piece of news you were mentioning, let, let, let's mention now. It's um, it's Tom Baker's birthday, uh, fourth Doctor, actor, and who's still the Doctor certainly in audio form uh, and um, and actually I think he's is loving his relationship with Doctor Who even more now uh, and right. he loves the uh, the fans it was nice seeing on Facebook uh, one of our friends Jenny shirt you know lives in Manchester here she's put up a couple of pictures of, of her and uh, lots of other people uh, posting images there and we're very grateful for his contribution to well, dot two, really. Right, and um, yeah. actually, uh, just 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 adding to the uh, the Tom Baker news, uh, Fathom Events is uh, oh man, this is turning into news. <laughs> Should I get the monkey out? Uh, that sounds bad. Should I get my monkey out? Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Wednesday, March thirteenth. That's not news. It's always out. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, my webcam on again. All right, uh, coming up on uh, Wednesday, March 13th, uh, on the big screen, Fathom Events presents Doctor Who, Logopolis. Yes, uh, Tom Baker's, of course, the final episode uh, will be on the big screen. So uh, check out fathomevents.com and, uh, yeah, uh, look for the uh, coming events. And uh, you can just type in your zip code and I'll tell you whether uh, what the nearest theater is that's going to be hosting this event. Um, so, yeah. Uh, they did misspell Tegan, though. They put an extra E in Tegan. So it's Tegan. Maybe they thought it's because of the Australian accent. My name's Tegan. <laughs> Sorry. I always wonder why people say Daleks. They always seem to think there's an extra letter in there as well. Yeah, or, or yeah, uh, or, or an extra R in there, yeah. <laughs> Daleks. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the favorite one, yeah. Unfortunately, we also uh, have some, a, bit, a bit of sad news is uh, that we lost Windsor Davies uh, this weekend. Uh, he was a lovely boy. Yes. Show him off, show him off. Show your monkey off. Show him off. <laughs> well, you want, me, you want me to bring a monkey out? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> but it, uh, if we are talking about sad events like that, um, we didn't oh, yeah. do news last week. Um we lost uh, W. Morgan Shepherd, um, 
the actor died age 86. Uh, he was in the uh, 11th Doctor story, The Impossible Astronaut, Day of the Moon, playing the older version of the FBI agent at Canton Everett, Delaware, the third. Who was played by his son. His real life son, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I first uh, became most aware of him uh, during the uh, the series uh, Bax Hedrum, not the, the, the thing that they got in the US, mainly with the, the videos and stuff like that, the actual proper series, Max Hedrum. Uh, he was brilliant in there. He played a character called Blank Reg. Um, just, you just kind of, he any scene he was in, he stole, stole the show and just a fantastic guy. So, um, and uh, just uh, peeking in the chat, uh, Flybob says he is planning on going to the Fathom event uh, for the Goblins. I may actually go myself. So, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe Cybob and I can get together and uh, review it in complete silence and then text, and I'll just read them all out. <laughs> one day we're going to get you on audio, Cybob. One day. One day. And uh, Mike, if you want to share anything to uh, Mike actually oh, yeah. He played several characters in uh, Babylon 5 as well. He did, yes. Yeah, he's, and he's also one of the people one of the people on that short list of actors who have been in both Star Trek and Doctor Who. He was in a couple episodes of ne uh, Next Generation, as well as playing several characters on Babylon 5. And, of course, the 2009 movie. Ah. Yeah, he was the uh, Vulcan Science Academy uh, chair, I guess, that uh, extended the offer to Spock, which Spock declined. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Him and his son, it's like, I think they've got all of sci fi nailed down. Yeah. <laughs> they've been in like everything. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just well, recently watched a, a Vo the Voyager episode with him, uh, someone where there's a kind of like a giant space creature that lures, it's like a pitcher plant, and it lures people in, and he's been like battling it. They find him in there and he helps them out and stuff. Right. Yeah. He's the crusty old sea dog type, you know, space bearing guy. Well, since we're mentioning Star Trek, just to mention that, <laughs> um, well, yeah, we may as well now. We're on a roll. Um, I said you never knew what you're going to get. Um, yeah. On Netflix, certainly in the UK, uh, second series of Star Trek uh, Discovery. Uh, they're doing it mm -hmm. one episode a week. They're not putting it all up at once, I don't think, this time. But I thought it was a fabulous first opening episode. And it seems to be. You know, coming a little bit more into um, a recognisable federationy type world, and I'm not going to be any more spoiler than that. But um, I think somebody's been watching the Oroville. I, I, I don't. I don't because this was actually good. Yeah, it was good. It's like <laughs> the, the whole elevator scene at the beginning of this, is, which is no spoiler. It's like that's mm. straight out of the Oroville playbook. He's like. Well, one of the aliens in there had a cold, and she goes, "Yeah, it's going around." And then he sneezes on somebody. It's just like that's totally Orville. I'm like, I mean, you guys say that, or it's Star Trek Six. And yeah, yeah. Where are the like, genitals on it? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it's much needed humor added into this show. And yeah. that was also an early released scene from the first this first episode. There was oh, released yeah. oh, in, the, in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen the trailer. You know, I'm still. Still on the fence about this show, on, on, about Discovery, but uh, 
yeah, the first episode did a lot to kind of. You know, it's still a bit heavy-handed in parts, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll well, do look, a review. Since we're, since we're in some sort of news territory here, I do have something that I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, go on. And that is uh, that if you haven't been watching the international take on Aquaman, it's done something really rather incredible in that it is now What's that the before? number one film yeah. from DC of all time by a massive margin internationally. I mean, just, it's like at least 200 million away from its nearest competitor internationally. And it is about to become, and probably will become, the number one film that um, DC has released ever. Now, the the weird thing about that is it's not being reported that way because they're looking very narrowly at just what it's done domestically, and there it's a little bit less impressive. And so it's being shown, I guess, as like the number six movie or whatever in DC history, but it's not really in terms of the actual amount of money that it is brought in. It's a massive hit, and so you can rest assured Aquaman 2 is coming your way. Uh, it's a fabulous film. If you haven't seen it, you should go out and see it. Uh, it, I, I am yeah. so blown away by how good it actually is. I I had heard, well, I had like, I mean, I've seen the other DC movies. I waited till they came out on Blu-ray or whatever, but uh, was not that mad keen. But uh, some friends of mine who are who are big Marvel fans, big comic book fans, they're like, no, 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 you got to go see this one. You got to see this yeah. one in theater. It's 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 really good. Um, and Jason Momoa without a shirt on. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or just, yeah, you know, if you're a Nicole Kidman fan, you're going to mm, see Nicole yeah. Kidman do things in this film that really she has not done in any other film. Mm. Uh, she's, she's quite, quite uh, a feature of it. It's good yeah, I know. heard that. Uh, oh, I'm not going to say anything because that might be spoilery territory. Yeah. So I won't say but apparently she looks really good in this, if you get what I mean. Well, there's that. I mean, but there's yeah. more about her. Yeah, just I don't know her general presence in the film is right. quite impressive. Like they absolutely picked the right right person. And you're like, if you're a fan of Star Wars, or indeed New Zealand actors, then you'll be very <laughs> happy to see Tamora Morrison in a decent role. Uh, oh, yeah. And if you're a fan of Aquaman, it's kind of important maybe going in to know that this is essentially uh, the telling of. Aquaman the Trench, which was a Jeff Johns comic from like 2011. So it's that particular version, which is very political and at the same time, crazy fan fantasy. It is, it's science fantasy politics. So if you can kind of imagine, um, I don't know, something along the lines of Macbeth crossed with house of cards crossed with saturday morning cartoon you're kind of in that area it's it's, it's not like anything else it's not like any other uh superhero movie you ever see except maybe the first thor <coughs> the trailer in it seemed to have a lot of added humor which was pretty much absent from any of the dcu you know uh movies 
at least for, that's what I gave from the trailer. You know, there just seems to be a lot more humor and lightness added to it. And this, that's what you guys need. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's enough politics in it that you can well imagine them doing in movies, what they've done in comics. And that is bring together the kingdoms of Atlantis with the kingdom portrayed in Wonder Woman, the Themyscarin kingdom mm -hmm. and having them battle each other. Like you can just easily imagine that could happen since of course paradise island is an island surrounded by the ocean so yes yeah um actually uh if we're done with that uh um mike has put something in the uh the the chat um that happened this week um, a couple of things actually uh somebody's put something in chat there i wonder what that's going to be oh, okay yeah, yeah. um so uh, so of course, going on from the tangent that uh, Darth's been uh, been been wondering these past weeks, uh, official ratings for Doctor Who Resolution have been have finally been revealed uh, or announced by the uh, the Barb the uh, by by Barb um, seven point seven point thirteen million viewers uh, appreciation index of of eighty six point nine five million viewers watched the episode on a conventional TV uh, the the Barb four screen dashboard showed that 73,000 watched on their PC, 54,000 on a tablet, 44,000 on smartphone. All that together makes Doctor Who the 14th most watched program of the week ending 6th January. So there are official ratings for Doctor Who a resolution, 7.13 million total. So there's that. And um, speaking of trailers and, and comic book movies and everything, um, this past week, uh, Marvel Studios released the first official trailer for the next uh, major, for the next Marvel movie, uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. And it's it's an interesting trailer in that the fact that it was in, it, just in the fact that it was released this 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 early. Apparently, there was a, some some discussion between the merchandising department and Marvel. Marvel didn't want to release the movie because the the title, the the, the trailer, the tra they didn't want to release the trailer this soon before Avengers Endgame. Because a large part of the trailer here is hinging on the outcome of Avengers Endgame and that this movie takes place after. And if you've seen the end of uh, Avengers Infinity War, then uh, you're just wondering, well, what about all these characters and their fates? What happened to all these different characters? Why are they? Uh, it just The trailer doesn't answer anything. But uh, the merchandising department for all the toys and stuff, they wanted to uh, really force the trailer for, they wanted to release a trailer early so they could start marketing all of that. So here we have the trailer for uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, which uh, raises a bunch of questions about what's going to happen in Avengers Endgame. But uh, there is that. And those are the two news items that I've got right there. Well, See, I, I, I disagree there because it's like, well, everybody knew before and uh, before um, I think before the last Avengers movie that there was going to be another Spider-Man movie. And so yeah, and, uh, any, 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 in secret. Uh, and it's like, we knew with Avengers that yeah, somebody, some, there are going to be some deaths, but we knew Spider-Man wasn't going to be one of them. So I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't like, Oh man, you gave it away. <laughs> you know, they, they, they just got Spider-Man back. Right. And so, but I thought the trailer was awesome. But two, two very quick things. One that will upset 
Ian, and that is that um, Avatar's films two and three are finished filming, so they'll be with us soon. So I'm sure it'll like, excite him. And and lastly, what? I'd like okay, to. Right, I fell asleep while you were saying Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask Darth. Darth, um, I've heard a lot of criticism of this new film Glass. You know the the third film in the trilogy of Unbreakable, or whatever it is. Have you been seeing that? Did you rate it or not? Nope, not at all. Don't even really know anything about it. Oh, right. I thought that's one that... Because Bruce Willis was in the first one, was Lee Unbreakable. Mm -hmm. Then there was uh, one called Glass or something. Uh, uh, anyway, fair enough. Uh, right, well, I think uh, I think we've done our little run around the houses, around the block. Been to the Punjab so. and back. All right, so I think we should, uh, yeah, get right into the the the, the meat of this uh, Coldham sandwich. Yeah, I didn't think about that before I started talking. <laughs> As always, I never think before I speak, so we'll just go straight into a clip. Hi, Mum. Hey. Can you pick me up from work? What? Now? I'm just in the middle yes, of... now. It's urgent. I'll text you the address. Don't let on to your dad. I'll tell you everything when I see you. Fine. Thanks, sweetheart. Is she alright? Yeah. She forgot something. Asked if I'd drop it at work for her. She's got a new job. Posh hotel opening. Do you mind if I nip out quickly? Need any company? No. I'll be fine. Uh, we'll look after your friends. I'm going to make pakori. Dad, don't. She's terrible at Bugatti. We never meet your friends. She never brings anyone around. Married to the job. At least I've got a job to be married to. Bye. Hope you don't crash. Girls now. Sisters. I used to have sisters. I used to be a sister in an aqua hospital. Actually turned out to be a training camp for the Quiston Calcium Assassins. Going up on one again. Oh, you've got a parcel to pick up. Left with a neighbour. Yeah, I've been trying to get that for days. Couple of doors down. No reply. Do you want me to go get it while you make your terrible Bugatti? Sorry, I do love that line. <laughs> just no grace at all. Just when <laughs> you make your terrible Bacori. <laughs> all right, just, the rest of the UK. Yeah, just when she mentioned assassins, then I was thinking, oh, what if they're the same assassins? And I can't remember now. Um, yeah, we yeah. did episodes one to three in part one of this review of series eleven of Doctor Who, because that's what we actually are talking about. So we're going to cover the the central four stories today. Uh, and this is the fourth one, obviously, Arachnids in the UK, uh, aired on October the 28th, uh, 8.22 million and an AI rating of 83. I think we, we went uh, first with uh, Mike. Do we, do we want to go first again, Mike? And uh, we'll, we'll go around the room as before, Mike, Darth, Ian and myself. Um, I don't know whether we're assuming, obviously, that people have watched this. This is why we're reviewing it. So um, this is the story that some people, Ian, apparently had to look away at certain points. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike, do you want to talk us on this one a little bit? Sure. I'll go ahead and start on this episode. And my views on this episode have changed a lot since uh, recording the commentary, since uh, rewatching it and rethinking about we're thinking about the plot some more and the resolution. 
a lot of things in this episode bug me. And it's not just about the spiders. I don't have a problem with spiders. Spiders are cool. I like spiders. There were spiders were looked really neat in this episode. I guess. Okay, so uh, before before I dive into that, it, something I wanted to talk about mention last week because it, it 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 kind of clarifies a few things is the the production schedule for this series. Of course, nothing new to Doctor Who. This uh, the series was filmed in different production blocks. The first it was filmed in five production blocks, uh, six if you count Resolution being being off on its own. Uh, the first built filming block had Woman Fell to Earth and It Takes You Away. So had the first episode and the penultimate episode there in the first filming block. Second one had Ghost Monument and Rosa. Third paired up uh, this episode with Witchfinders being uh, filmed. Uh, fourth production block had Saranga Conundrum and Kerblam. And the, f- the fifth had Demons of the Punjab and the Battle of Ranscore of Kolos, a title I will never actually like. Um, so there's, that's just the, uh, the, the production filming blocks for this, for this series. It kind of addresses some, some uh, questions that kind of uh, unasked questions, kind of implied questions that were about the order of filming for the series. So there you go. That's the order of filming. So here we are, fourth episode of series 11. And kind of following a, a similar pattern that that, uh, that earlier series have done where we have the doctor taking a companions on adventures even though this was kind of in, inadvertent at the end of woman of fell to earth and leading into ghost monument just a inadvertent series of short series of adventures and then back to earth and then the and then the companions actually have a chance to choose whether or not they want to travel with the doctor which was a nice touch to you yeah. know have that at the end um but let me just tr- jump right into it. The resolution of this episode annoys me so much. So from what I, okay, so a lot of people, I remember a lot of people had a problem with just how quickly the spiders were brushed aside and just forgotten about as, as, the, as the story, as the episode jumped to the companions joining the, rejoining the doctor at the TARDIS and going off on adventures, how the spiders were just sort of forgotten. My problem involves the spiders and involves the solution so unless i'm misremembering here this the the premise was you had these spiders who were being crushed by their own body weight right they were they were they had grown too large whatever MacGuffin, it was like the the pollution or whatever that sealed off pollution or whatever that caused them to grow so so large and that was causing them to suffer and die they were dying anyway because of that from what i remember and so that was the uh that was the problem how do you how do you solve that and my big problem here is the antagonist had the best solution the antagonist had the more had the better i would say kinder solution you have these spiders that are suffering and dying and his solution was to shoot him dead, with, just shoot him with bullets. But the doctor's got it, got it. Has 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 the anti-gun philosophy. What? So the doctor seals them off in a room and it's in with with food, but where they're going to die, and 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 pain, continuous pain because of their weight, and they're going to starve eventually. Which is the better of these two solutions just ending their suffering instantly if they're going to die anyway because of their weight or boom 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 instantly end their suffering every time i think about this episode makes me like it less and less because the doctor's solution is 
the worse of the two, the less kind of the two. And now just thinking about it so much has made me wonder, uh, why do these companions choose, choose to keep traveling with this doctor who just made this very poor choice to uh, torture these spiders, <laughs> just to lock them away and let them starve to death. I don't know, it just bugs me. No, spiders aren't insects. Uh, it just bugs me so much, this resolution. But uh, it just kind of colors the rest of the, uh, the, the, just the companions traveling with the doctor in the first place. So it just uh, annoys me even more. Um, the uh, I'll just, and I'll point out, uh, one last little bit of trivia about this episode that some people noticed, some people didn't. Arachnids in the UK, what's with that title? The title is a reference to a Sex Pistols song called Anarchy in the UK. Uh, Chris Chibnall's tribute to uh, Sex Pistols there with Anarchy in the UK, Arachnids in the UK, just a little bit of trivia there at the end. Um, not really my favorite episode, just because... The more I think about it, the Doctor's solution is far worse than what the villain came up with. So that's just my big problem with it. Uh, we had the other characters. We 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 saw more more of the like the the, the, the characters' families, the Yaz's family. That was that was neat getting that getting that sort of extended thing. But then uh, it was, it was neat. but then just I just then the more I think about that, that it just stands out and bugs me so much. So. <laughs> Not really a fan of this episode. Maybe somebody can talk me out of that. All right. Is that... Darth, do you want to follow on on that? Talk him out of it. Quick, quick. <laughs> I don't know if I can talk him out of it. I mean, that's an interesting uh, take on the end, and I think it's a defensible position to take, so whatever. Uh, I would just say that that is not particularly what I focus on. I mean, if we're going to start criticizing Doctor Who for the endings, well, pretty much every episode has some kind of problem in it. Um, that's not an excuse for the lazy writing or for, you know, if you don't, if you don't like that particular ending, you, you can certainly say that. But a lot of Doctor Who episodes end unwell uh, or illogically. I'm not so sure. It, it has been... A while since I've seen this episode, so that particular point, I don't know. I would say that for me, what this episode represents is a fundamental shift in the character of Yaz, in that we get a lot about her in this episode. But more importantly than that, it becomes clear that she's sort of the glue that's holding this team together. I mean, without her uh, empathy, I suppose, in inviting the doctor up for tea, the whole thing falls apart, right? Um, it, she is, I think, given a lot of stick, or rather the writing of her is given a lot of stick mm. in this season is showing her to be underdeveloped or whatever. But I mean, really, she's the only character that we have full information about every member of her immediate family and even the generation above that. Uh, and we get a lot of it from this episode. And I really, I just, I, I like what this episode represents in the same way that I kind of like the Lazarus experiment as uh, an explanation for 
a lot of Martha's familial relationships. And I know that there's a lot in Lazarus experiment that people don't like, especially, you know, the CGI of the monster or whatever. Mm, uh, but I, I really do like Lazarus experiment for what it tells us about the relationships of, uh, the companion. And I think that that's how I view this one. I also really do like this one for Chris Noth and his performance. Um, mm. I very much appreciate the, uh, you know, pretty much spot on Trumpian satire. Uh, a, a lot of times I think Dr. Who gets criticism of, um, America wrong because it, it focuses on thing parody and exaggeration rather than genuine satire of something that's actually going on. But unfortunately, reality is, you know, Trump really is going on. Uh, and this performance, I think, is really quite spot on. And that may be the problem, really, that Mike is talking about because it goes into sort of a parody of America in general. The thing about guns, like she's stopping guns just for guns sake, instead of maybe, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm really still a little bit unclear as to what exactly is the actual resolution to the spider problem. Um, it, it, it's more than just this one particular spider. It's what happens to the rest of them that kind of is left a little bit dangling to me and indeed how big the scope of the problem is. So, you know, I think that that is tied into wanting to make a specific criticism about guns. And in a sense, that's fair because certainly in 2018, when this thing was being written, you know, gun violence was particularly profound, I think, uh, in the U.S., but also in England at the time, uh, maybe following on from, like, the Ariana Grande incident in Manchester uh, and some other things. I think that there was a need to have a clear stand against guns, whether that makes great sense in this episode. I don't know. I'd really have to review that again to to see i suspect mike is probably right that it doesn't make sense but i don't know that that necessarily mars the rest of the episode which is really good final little point about this is um this does another thing that has been great about the modern series of doctor who it also sort of harkens back to episode one of series three and that is the prominent use of uh, a relatively new song. I really enjoyed uh, the Stormzy, the use of Stormzy here as another way to submit sort of Sheffield culture, I guess, uh, giving wide exposure to uh, a modern song in sort of the same way that when Martha was first introduced, you actually did have the, the real American debut of Sunshine by Arrested Development. Uh, and I enjoy it maybe more than other people when modern music is included in Doctor Who, and especially when it's used diegetically like it is here. Will that throw up problems later, you know, with, with like DVD releases and Blu-rays? 
because I know in the past Doctor has fallen foul of that sort of, you know. Only really once, though. Right. And, 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 and it was not, well, yeah, I guess it was both the chase and the audio release of uh, Evil of the Dalek Part 1. Um, but really, it is just the Beatles. And that's because the Beatles, I think, don't control their own music or right. anything else. I think me and Ian were talking about life on Mars as well recently, weren't we? And when somebody said that some music was all was substituted in that. Oh, was it really? I don't know. Oh, no, no. I, well, yeah. I know they did it in Quantum Leap when when everything was released, uh, and that really kind of shot down the whole loop. Well, whole yeah. On I mean, that, that. I think I think that is a problem, especially for earlier thing like things before twentieth century stuff. Hmm. Uh, now, because nobody thought about it, so, you know, famously the biggest case of that is probably WKRP in Cincinnati, because nobody thought to get the the rights to subsequent home media release at the time. But I think they do now. I mean, because there there are no issues in releasing like series three of you know releasing um what the hell is well, uh, Smith and Jones might... like that plays uh, the same way and Vincent and the Doctor plays the same way you know so it seems well, like it they've sort of nice about end series. of the world and eccleston's episode oh yeah track toxic still plays cute. in there yeah mm. um i think i think it's just one of those cases where nobody really thought about it. i mean that was going to be a problem even with oh what was it that i mean the whole one of the fundamental reasons that doctor who got wiped in the 60s is not just because the bbc was you know, they had they had expensed out the videotape, and the videotape was, you know, costly, and they needed to wipe it in order to reuse it. It wasn't just that; it was the fact that they didn't get the rights to the music, the fundamental music, the the background, right. you know, soundtrack. And they said, "Well, we don't have the rights to even the score of the episode, so why would we keep it? We can't possibly use it again." Hmm. And just, just to I follow on to that, if I may, yeah. um, I was watching on BBC Four last night a fantastic documentary. If you like it, it was about Bob Monkhouse, who was a stand-up comedian game show thing, and it was about the secret life of him. And he was um, absolutely uh, a home record. He had seventy thousand tapes, uh, and and that was when he was buying his own. And they were like, they were about twenty dollars a booming tape in those days. And um, he's he's given his collection, but uh, it, Lenny Henry was was talking about it. He said his very first mm. appearance on the show, he, he'd never seen it in twenty years because all the tapes were wiped. And he went to a Bob Monkhouse tribute thing that he did, and they showed Lenny Henry saw himself twenty years younger on a, a thing he'd never seen. All because Bob Monkhouse he had something like twenty tape recorders around his house. He lived in a big mansion. And he had to set them manually in those days. You couldn't program them. So he'd be, he'd go there visiting uh, for a meal. And he said, just pop out. And he'd go and be setting video recorders. And he had an assistant when he was going away on holidays. Uh, and the um, a lot of Tommy Cooper's stuff uh, has been saved simply because of him. And lots of other uh, early uh, comic performances. Because he was recording something like 20 programs a night. 
Wow. Um, I mean, it must have cost him of, of seventy thousand. He had to build a, a a large shed in the edge. But if you like, I'm sure Darth's interested. BBC Four. It was something like the Secret Life of Bob Monkhouse or something. Fantastic mm. program. Only last night. Anyway, um, he, he was saying about all, even all the Royal Variety performances were wiped. Uh, a lot of the game shows he did were wiped. Um, the um, the Golden Shot that he did, which was a quiz show. Um, he recorded 40 episodes of it, and they're the only existing ones. Um, apparently, he was doing it for two years, and then somebody allegedly said that he was getting a backhander from the prizes because he was making sure that certain names of products got picked as prizes, and he was allegedly getting a backhander for it. So he he got sacked, and then they had uh, somebody Vaughan take over, and it bombed, and then somebody else took over, it bombed, Charlie, somebody, another comedian, and then two years later, they had him back, because no, they didn't realise how difficult a show it was to run, until nobody else could do it. Anyway, that's <laughs> a big aside, but um, so there's some gems on BBC4, they're opening their archives up a little bit more with some of these old uh, documentaries and that, but anyway, sorry Darth, so if that threw you off, but no, I didn't. I mean, I was that was my last comment anyway. Okay, okay. Ian, do you want to talk about your spiders? Sure. <laughs> um, it, it it's weird because it's like my main complaint about this is also um, the uh, one of the best things about this is that it creeped me out big time. Now, I, I think spiders are cool, and they, they do wonderful things, and um, they're tiny little things, and we shouldn't fear them all. But there's something deeply ingrained in me that just gets creeped out by them. Um, I'm even getting shivers just talking about them. Um, but generally, uh, you know, Planet of the Spiders, not creeped out by that, you know, um, because of the time, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But they do a good job. Uh, this the the effects work and this on the spiders was fantastic uh and part of it i mean i i you know i i take mike's point um but i also um quash it with 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 darth's point so many episodes of doctor who if you really look at them there's you know there's these details that just don't get tidied up um it does seem quite a Kind of cruel that uh, the the spiders will get locked up in a room to die. Um, but then again, I killed three in my uh, bathroom, you know, the week before that episode. So you know, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be really that worried. Um, but I mean, from a Doctor Who standpoint, I can understand. But they just looked great. The sound of them moving as well. Um, you know, sometimes things tend to get overlooked, but you know, when the spiders are moving, you are hearing their footfalls. Um, you can't do that with CG. The CG doesn't come with sound. There's a whole other department there that's making these tiny little spider footfalls, and of course, for the bigger ones, the you know, the big footfalls. And you know, that to me is is um, a fantastic thing about this episode. It really kind of, I don't really care about all the rest because it generally, I mean, my wife sat there watching me watch this episode and she's like, seriously? 
it's like you'll watch something and you won't cry at it and i'll be in tears or this or that you know it's like no see i'm the one in the house that they they, they call when there's a spider it's like i'll kill that and it's like i don't like spiders well, we don't either so i get nominated for some reason but yeah um it was an all right story but is the 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 visual effects um just really did it for me it's like somebody took a great deal of care and making sure so we're gonna do spiders so let's let's do this right and make them look good and and they do they really look like they're a part of the story and uh there's some really fun stuff that happens in here and you know the the you know trying to try <laughs> trying to capture one of the spiders and the whole bit where the the assistant gets pulled down through the bathtub um because moths uh performance in it is, is is great um but yeah i mean i i tend to overlook the the, the ending of it because it is it is slightly weak um but uh yeah it, it 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 does creep me out i don't think i've actually watched it since the commentary probably for that reason but it's one of those things that if i want to be scared or creeped out i know where to go you know so many things these days because we see so much in that CG and and looks perfect in there, and, and we tend to get desensitized by stuff. So it's nice to be kind of scared or creeped out by by Doctor Who again. You know, that's what it was for me when I was a kid, and um, I kind of relished in the, the the experience. So yeah, to me, you know, awesome episode because I was creeped out. <laughs> Dave. Oh, we haven't played another clip, have we? We're doing another clip. Right, Dave? Anybody here? Where's Dave? Oh, Sorry, okay. Ian. Um, can you skip the second one and just go straight to the third one? No. I want to play the second one. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so here we'll, it is. So we'll move on a bit, yeah. Yeah. There's something behind this door people want to keep locked away. Oh, sure, it's a party. Everybody can come. Thanks. Doctor, I've seen these spiders before. But you? You're not the boss of me anymore. Nice work, Yaz. No, not nice work. None of you are allowed down here. Are all your hotels built on repurposed sites? Well, that's the business. I mean, every city in the world, big or small, has an area that they want repurposed. Maybe it's not too pretty. Maybe it's never been used. Maybe it's an industry that's died. We go in and we help them figure it out. We get a good deal, but we give them world-class facilities. It's a win for everybody. A network of mining tunnels could explain how the biggest spiders are moving. The question is, does that make your hotel their target or their base? What is that smell? What are they? Oh, my God. You guys, stay back. Keep an eye out for me. Oh, my God. Do you know who this is? Her name is Frankie. Look what they did to her. Why are they in cocoons? I think they're being stored as food. Spiders don't eat people. I said they're being stored. They haven't eaten them. They're outsized and confused. All their behavioral patterns have been disrupted. How did they get like this? It doesn't make any sense. This is not what spiders do. Okay. Uh, make, 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 yeah, go on. 
is what Dave does. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Right. Um, yeah, I'd muted when I was looking up some clips. Reminded me, I'm sure there's a Star Trek Enterprise where they all get put inside cocoons in one of them. There's a number of times I, I see references to things like that. Um, yeah, um, the, the thing I like most, I mean, it reminded me a little bit of the the um, the Dar Dalek episode, the, the one where the, the chap that kept him in his basement, the one where Rose, you know, touches the Dalek and uh, I've seen your emperor, I've this, that, and the other. Um, but uh, I, I did admire the CGI on this a lot. I thought it was extremely well done. It made me feel when I watched this that, you know, that there is some real money going into this. And it's also perhaps um, gave this reason for the fact that there's such a long gestation period for these episodes being actually made and then coming because as well you know now they're already starting making at series 12 but they're not going to air i mean originally they're going to be air maybe in the fall of this year but um you know it's a, it, it's a long process and one could have assumed like mike was telling us about the actual blocks that they were done in that um for some of these stories they need longer to get um all the cgi i mean i only noticed one floor with the cgi as i think i did anyway and that's where we're going to the the room where there's a there's like um um cabinets uh filing cabinets on the side they look to me as though there was one still spider as though that was a model spider used for a reference for the size because that was the only one that looked as though it was a you know, a, a model rather than CGI, but it was used as a reference, like a keystone for the for the rest of it. But I thought it was it was really good. There were some minor parts. Um, we do learn more about Yaz's family, and overall, I thought the story. Um, I can't remember whether this was the one that got one of the stories this year got the most frightening status of any Doctor Who story. Was it this one, guys, or was it? One of the others. I'm sure there was one that um, uh, we saw somewhere posted that it it it, it was given the, officially the most scary episode of New Doctor Who um, by uh, by at least one outlet at least. Me. Um, <laughs> I was the outlet. <laughs> okay. Um, funny enough, a bit like. Uh, Darth said about uh, the Chris North character. Uh, again, I don't know what it is with Netflix, um, but you know, with the it, it still does this recommendations of what you should watch, and it suggested to me I watched a Perfect Man. Now I don't know whether that was a criticism of me not being a perfect man, or in honour of me being a perfect man, uh, and it's not particularly a big film, but. Um, I was surprised. I thought oh, I'll watch it. Uh, you know, I had a glass of wine. I was relaxed. I thought I'll watch it because, uh, you know, it's um, well, it had Heather, Heather Locklear in, so that 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 was the thing that pulled me into it. But Hilary uh, Duff, and there was Chris North playing the perfect man. Uh, so he has got some range, uh, and I believe he was the was he the um, the the chap in um, Sex in the City, wasn't he? Was he? Mr. Big yes, or something. Also, he's Mr. Big and um and also he was in Law and Order. Uh, yeah, the original Law and Order. That. Plus he was in um the other one. It was another Law and Order one. Uh, Criminal Intent, I think. He uh oh, yeah, was on there for a couple of seasons. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
Right. So, I mean, uh, it, it is nice when they get to, uh, I mean, we were talking about uh, last week, we were talking about Art Malik being in there. I don't know whether this guy is, you know, but he's in that sort of status range of having, you know, a known name in the episode. And I thought he, well, to, as they, people like that do a little bit of gravitas and um, I think it's nice. Um, so, I mean, it should be point since you're going to point that out. Actually, yeah. there was on BBC America ratings, there was a noticeable uptick in ratings for this episode versus the previous two. So right. one of the more interesting things about this season is, you know, there's it's a co-production between BBC Studios and uh, BBC America is right. the way in which the American ratings are quite different to uh, the British because the British ratings are they start the highest of any episode of Doctor Who ever. Right. And right. then they gradually go down every single episode. Well, even though they gradually go down every single episode, they're still better than the ratings for the comparable episode in season 10. So it's still a better season in terms of ratings than season 10. But the way that it happens in, uh, the ratings are much more elastic in America, and they do seem to respond to uh, the uh, familiarity of the guest star to American audiences right. and or, uh, you know, whatever the perceived interest might have been in the topic. So Punjab, which we'll talk about in a moment, goes really down because that's not high on American profile. But the witches episode, Witchfinder, goes up because everybody knows about Salem witch trials, which are analogous to what happened in Britain, right? Right. Uh, right. So it's, it's interesting that this episode probably, probably on the strength of Chris Noth, who is very well known, I would say, uh, did tick back up, especially when you consider that the, I think it's true to say still that the American audience is still more female than male and might be, might've been more likely to have seen both really uh, Sex in the City and um, Law and Order. Now, I, I obviously don't know much about this, but I, I do remember in America, they're supposed to call the sweeps week or something mm. when uh, they did. would they have, would this have been an episode that would have been the sweeps and have an American Well, star? I mean, another interesting thing about this one in terms of the American ratings, and I guess this is true of Britain, but Britain doesn't really celebrate Halloween in the same way that America does. But this was, for the first time in a long time, an actual Halloween episode. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. So it couldn't have been better programmed to both have a decent American star, to have uh, a character that was mocking Trump, right close to the elections that everybody was all head up about. And then also to be near Halloween, like all this is sort of a perfect trifecta for American program, which may be, you know, why it was a little bit more highly rated than previous episodes. Like this is better rated than Rosa, which you would kind of think, I mean, Rosa was a bounce up from, I think it was a bounce up in America from season, from episode two, but this was even higher than Rosa. Right. Well, haven't we, we, we said that? It might have been you, Darth, said that, you know, that the, the first episode people viewing because it's a new series, second one, they stick around. The third one's the critical one. If the third one bombs, then they're out of there for the rest of the series. If the third one maintains the standard, they're probably locked in for the rest of the series. Um, and and 
So, I mean, I'm sure there's some, you know, some statistics that go on behind the scenes in terms of, uh, you know, market share and what have you. Anyway, uh, yeah. I think we spent a, a lot of time on this episode. Uh, but yeah, um, I liked it because I thought it was a, a, a polished episode. And uh, again, uh, we were learning a little bit more about Yaz's family. But um, I think I think we, we need to move on really, Ian. You talk too yes. much, Ian. Yeah, I know, I know. It's all my fault. All right, next clip. It's all right. You're safe. Just don't make any sudden moves. Your body will take a moment to catch up. Can you point out your med tag for me? I can't find it anywhere. Where are we? We're in hospital. They've just brought us all round. You're the last one up. We don't have med tags. Oh, it wasn't my mistake. Told you. Except you must have. We need your full bio, history, allergies, fluid levels, lifespan data. Basically to help us avoid killing you. Take it slow. There's a sonic mine. Yeah. The robot dredges notified us as they were pulling you from the debris. We've stabilized your vital organs. You're lucky they got you first. Stabilized my organs? What happened to them? I've seen quite a few sonic mine injuries here. They disrupt your internal organic stability whilst churning up the exterior environment. Saranga's actually agitating for the territories to be swept more fully. That doesn't make sense. Saranga? Why have they done that? I know that name. the name Saranga. Whatever. Very grateful. Need to get back to our ship. Oh, come on, you lot. Hey, come back. Trees out. Can you return to the assessment zone, please? We're not discharging you. You need to rest. Look, I appreciate how much you've looked after us. But my ship is very valuable. It's also my home. Our home. And I'm worried about leaving it here. On a junk planet where people come and scavenge. I might never see it again, and I've only just got it back. Wait here. Right, and that's uh, this is, uh, uh, of course, the uh, episode five, um, uh, the Tsurunga conundrum, is it? Aired 4th of November. Right. Yeah, got an AI rating, but with Kyle of uh, Discussing Who, it got a rating of 100 because it had a thing in it, and uh, that is his one-word review, and that's an unauthorised uh review from him but i know that that's what his review but ting uh so uh mike okay so let's go here to the uh the radio times no the the previous there was a synopsis released by the bbc le leading up to this episode the the release read quote risk to life absolute injured and stranded in, in the wilds of a far-flung galaxy the doctor yaz Graham, and ryan must band together with a group of strangers to survive against one of the universe's most deadly and unusual creatures end quote the uh one thing i remember from this episode was just how much the 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 description there played up the uh the doctor and, and impl implied companions too and companions too just being injured and how that didn't really play much into the episode. It was just kind of written off and forgotten. The doctor was really the mo one most in distress, but really that didn't really go anywhere. And uh, that's kind of how I felt this episode did. Uh, the, just the Pating creature 
part of its abilities and how it was described just didn't really match up with with the threat that it actually posed and what it actually did it just didn't live up to the to the to the threat and that's kind of my my reaction to this episode it, it just didn't live up to the hype or whatever hype there was it just didn't live up to it it was a very weak episode it felt i, I remember immediately thinking that this if, of any episode of bbc wells doctor who from russell t davies or stephen moffat or chris chibnall this is the one that most feel most feels like most felt like a classic quote-unquote original series episode of Doctor Who, something that could have been in the original run. Uh, maybe Tom Baker, maybe Peter Davison, maybe Colin Baker, somewhere there, somewhere there in this episode could have could have could have fit perfectly. Uh, but as for, as for and it, it just on and on that note it just made me realize just how different BBC Wells Doctor Who is from the quote-unquote classic series of Doctor Who. It's a whole, the show is completely different nowadays, and stories like this just don't work in Doctor Who. This is just, it, it tried to be like kind of a retro sci-fi, futuristic sci-fi story, and it just didn't work. It fell apart. Uh, just, the, I remember as soon as I saw the, the Patine creature laughing, just laughing a lot, because it's supposed to be this this dangerous this dangerous creature and oh look it's supposed to be it looks it's all chibi and cute and sort of cutesified or whatever in its own alien way and i just couldn't take it seriously at all and i couldn't take the rest of the episode seriously at all and it's just of all the episodes of the series this is the one that is the most forgettable this is the one that i care the least about and uh, I also remember noticing around the same time that this would be, this is, we're at the halfway point in the series, episode five, and from this point on, no, this would be the, well, aside from the last episode, the Battle of Renscore of Colos, this would be the last episode written by Chris Chibnall, which I was excited to read that sentence, and that kind of gives gives my thoughts on the series so far, is Chib at this point, I, I was realizing that... Uh, Chibnall as showrunner, I'm not really that excited about. I'm already prepared to move on and forget Chris Chibnall as a showrunner. It's just, it's just his writing has just not been that memorable, which is a shame because I remember episodes of Torchwood like Adrift, which were which were great. One of my favorite episodes of Torchwood was Adrift. But uh, anyway, this episode just fell apart, and I didn't really care about it. And that's it. It's just not really much to say about it. I just don't like it. We're ready. Another clip, Dave? Did we lose Dave? I think we lost Dave again. Oh, no. He's gone well, to that age where he starts kind of napping in between reviews. Well, uh, okay. In that <laughs> case, uh, let's go okay. on. You, Darth. Well, well, I'm going to play this clip and then we'll go to Darth. You're a medic. I'm the doctor. A doctor of medicine. Well, medicine, science, engineering, candy floss, Lego, philosophy, music, problems, people, hope. Mostly hope. Oh, I'm struggling to see much hope here. It doesn't just offer itself up. You have to use your imagination. Imagine the solution and work to make it a reality. Whole worlds pivot on acts of imagination. So, so what are you imagining now? Broadly, I'm imagining that thing off the ship. 
Specifically, I'm trying to imagine the answer to the question. What does it want? Does it have to want anything? Every living thing, from the tiniest to the largest, wants something. Food, survival, peace. But the first thing it did was kill Astos. That must be what it wants to do to all of us. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, well, Darth, your thoughts. I have to say that I couldn't be more opposed to Mike on this. This is one of my favorite episodes of the series. Uh, and I have read subsequently that it is Mike's opinion that is more dominant, I think, in famine and fandom so far, at least. But uh, this struck me in so many ways, quite pleasingly, as a character study of the new doctor. I thought, even though I, could, I suppose it could be argued that her injury to begin with doesn't actually go anywhere, it does nevertheless allow some discovery about her character and to show what she's like under duress, even towards new people. And I thought that the way in which she interacted with the uh, male medic that eventually uh, dies was quite lovely. I mean, really interesting to see her up for the first time this season, really, against somebody who was her equal, I suppose, in terms of um, narrative ambition and force. I just, I dug everything about that. I also really like the uh, tension surrounding the birth and how that involved um, the two male companions. I also, I think this is also the first episode where you really see the potential of breaking up the four into two groups of two. And this happens a lot more as we get on in the season, but I, I liked how this is sort of the, the beginning of the, the Graham Ryan duo in one narrative strand and then the Yaz doctor thing in the other. I mean, I guess that also is in ghost monument come to think of it. And that's in terms of who gets captured by which ship, you know, in that episode, but this episode is really strong. And I think you see is particularly some interesting, funny stuff going on between Yaz and the doctor at the end. Uh, I also like this as a meditation on sibling rivalry and how that works out. Uh, because it, if Arachnid sort of shows us, you know, what two sisters can be like together and how they can be sort of competitive, this was interesting in showing two, a brother and a sister, and how, though they may have been at the tops of both of their fields, they might have viewed each other in a competitive way. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I just thought I just thought the characters were great in this, and I have to say too that the Pating thing, I, I thought that was great. I mean, I know you know I suppose you could make fun of that or whatever, but I think this is one of the lessons, fundamental lessons of Doctor Who as you watch it more and more, and that is never judge a book by its cover. Uh, you you never know what something is going to be like, and I think that's true of this season in particular that has so stressed the uh, importance of how humans can be evil, right? Uh, this, I think, goes in a more dramatic way or a more profound, uh, pronounced way, showing you that something that you think is cute might in fact be, you know, the agent of your doom. 
And I kind of, I, I really dug that. Uh, I have to say my impressions of this episode are colored perhaps by the fact that I watched it with somebody who is not a Doctor Who fan and they had a whale of a time with it. They just thought it was great. Um, and they weren't obviously judging against other Doctor Who. They were just like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And to me, if Doctor Who can present that to you and you walk away from it feeling good, then it's done its job. I mean, that fundamentally, Doctor Who is, I think, comedy. I think. Uh, and this episode is comedic in a lot of scenes. Uh, but it has an undertone of, you know, occasional moments of uh, peril and drama as well. So, to me, this is a really successful episode of Doctor Who. And, uh, you know, by this point, if you put yourself back in time of watching these episodes contemporaneously, by this point, what this episode did for me was to cement that we were really doing the 1963 season format again. Not the RTD sort of pseudo-manipulation of that, but really, truly, honest to God, the Verity Lambert format of, you know, one episode set in the future, one episode set in the past, one episode set in current times. And you might have thought, you know, the first three episodes would have established that pattern, but, you know, by this point, you're really getting into an, uh, that pattern. And I really like that pattern. I think that is the optimal pattern of stories for Doctor Who. So I liked it for that reason as well. So for me, this is a high point of the season, even though I know that a lot of people don't like it for whatever reason. All right. Thank you for that, sir. And uh, you're back with us again, Dave. I hope so. Yeah. And I hope I didn't restart the recording then. Uh, um, nope. I shouldn't have done to have affected. Ready. Um, Want to play a second clip before you go? Talk. And we already played a second clip. So I don't oh, know the third clip. That, yeah, go on then. Sorry, that might have been when I was away. All right, here we go. I do not want to do this. We're all here for you, aren't we? Oh, too late, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen every episode of Call the Midwife. And he's descended from an old earth nurse. It's in his blood. Every episode? Yeah, it's bang on. See, whilst you've been mucking around on YouTube, I've been learning useful life skills. Oh. <laughs> I'm really trusting you on this one, but I don't know what you're doing. Think of the potato as a mouse and the bomb as a piece of cheese. A very large piece of cheese about to explode and take us all with it. It's not a perfect analogy I'll make. You could have picked a bigger number. Where is it? Come on! So how do we do this then? Really straightforward. Cut open the stomach sack, reach and remove the baby. Done. Uh... Cut him open. Oh, not like hurting. <laughs> Male gift and pregnancy sacks don't have any pain sensors for precisely this reason. Yeah, but all the same, I mean, cut open a bloke's stomach. Do we have to? What? They didn't have that on Call the Midwife? I don't know. I always looked away at squeamish bits. As the bomb gets closer, the energy's building, getting ready to blow. The pating must be attracted to that. Surely! That's what I've been working on this whole time. Oh, please don't be wrong. I'll be so embarrassed. And dead. Doctor, I'm not bad. Admit it, I'm not bad at all in the timing. When you ready, mate? 
right, I guess it's my go. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with Durham. Uh, it's a great comedy episode. I mean, as you, you can tell here, the the way they kind of bounce back between the the uh, the Doctor and Yaz trying to you know get rid of the bomb and the Patang at the same time, um, you know, juxtaposed with uh, Graham and Ryan and the whole birthing process, uh, lines about cool the midwife, hilarious. Um, I love the way they handled um, the male pregnancy. And of course, you know, we had our usual complainers on the internet, like, oh, they're trying to, you know, ram this political correctness. It's like, no, he's an alien. And in their race, the male of the species carries the babies. Why is this a, a social thing that, that, that people think seem to think that they're being attacked by? I don't know. It's science fiction. What do you want? You want everything to be exactly the same as it on, is on Earth? Then it's not science fiction you may as well just watch Call the Midwife because that's obviously what you want to watch. Because <laughs> this is science fiction where crazy stuff happens and a tall, a totally cute little pudgy thing can wipe out an entire ship and just eat anything. And it's brilliantly cute. Um, and it was fun. It was a fun episode. Um, and, and, and I really enjoyed it. And I don't really know what else to say because I kind of... Darth kind of stole my thunder, um, but no, it's 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 a great little episode, and and it's and it's completely self-contained, and and there's just a lot of fun stuff, and we get to kind of know, and we get to see this kind of, uh, it, it it's one of my favorite things in this whole season is the development of the relationship between Graham and and um, I forgot his name now. Ah, I just said it five seconds ago. Brian. Anyway. Ryan, Ryan, um, you know, there's, uh, I don't, and there's a bunch of us out there, of course, who were waiting for the, the fist bump moment. And of course, um, as we will find out later, you know, the, the, the granddad moment. Um, and the fact that we're pulled into that, I think, actually shows a great deal of, uh, of, of foresight and planning and, and, and good writing. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. And, uh, <laughs> like there's no fun allowed <laughs> um no but it's like it is it is it's there's there's a lot of stuff going on in here and it's all good stuff i think and it's it's a bit of a different episode and but it's weird it's a different episode in in the lineup i think but like a lot of episodes in here there's a lot of classic doctor who in it you know um and yeah i really enjoyed it sorry i haven't said an awful lot but um if you want to hear me say more that's what the commentaries are for or don't shut up um but yeah i, re I really really enjoyed this um enjoyed the guest stars on it um uh, and uh yeah i'll call it quits there because the dog's barking um so over to you dave yeah, well, I'll be brief on this one, not because I didn't like it, but because, um, you know, it, it was a standalone episode. Uh, I, I'm I'm a bit a bit between yourselves and Mike in as much as uh, at first I thought it was going to be a frightener. Then then it, it, it when this sort of silly, the comic effect of it. I mean, uh, but how many science fiction series, as you like to say, it's it's a, 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 a trope, a trope, or whatever you call it, in science fiction, where um, they, they have the, the leprechaun episode, where you know, a, a, you know, um, 
uh, Rumpelstiltskin or whatever it is, or in Merlin there was a a, 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 a guy like that. They've had it in um, in Supergirl. They've had this uh, mixomatosis guy, what we call. <laughs> I got that wrong. I know that. Uh, um, and uh, in fact, um, the, about the uh, the male pregnancy, uh, it wasn't in Star Trek Voyager where the engineer got. Uh, he went over to help uh, on another spaceship and he came back pregnant and he didn't know what had happened. But really, to me, the the uh, the, the germ of the idea for this must go way back to the Twilight Zone and uh, Terror at 20,000 feet. The, the gremlin on the train, the William Shatner uh, story that uh, probably one of the few people that people that don't watch a lot of Twilight Zone will at least know that episode to serve man and a few others and it's uh, uh, right on Maple Street or whatever it's called there's about three or four of them and uh, but that one um, Terror at 20,000 feet is one that's sort of bled into to mainstream thought I think so it was the I, I think it was a little confusing the way it did because uh, like I say the, the the way it moved seemed a little bit and the little noises it made uh, made it cutesy but it was obviously um going about its daily business of eating uh it was causing mayhem it was indeed a, a space age gremlin to all intents and purposes and that's the purpose it served but uh, yeah not a particular memorable episode and i probably liked it more after we did the commentary than when i first watched it uh and i think i think we ought to move on into um uh Clip seven for the demons of the Punjab. Already, here we go. I was the first woman married in Pakistan. Now look at me, in a wheelchair and being fed shopboard cake. That's a nice cake. The first woman married in Pakistan. Did you know this? And I was the first Muslim woman to work in a textile mill in South Yorkshire. Grandad taking you dancing every Wednesday night. Oh. I so miss that man. Now, I want to give you these things before it's too late. Nadja, these are some letters your father wrote to me when he was away. Don't read the filthy bits. <laughs> Sonia, this is a present your grandfather gave me. I can't remember why, but it's nice. And now, Yasmin, my favorite granddaughter. What, mommy, what, I've told you about that. I want you to have this. Thank you. Was it Grandad's? And get it fixed if you like. It must never be fixed. Why not? I don't want to talk about it anymore. Nanny, please. You won't understand. I have such stories I could tell you. And we want to hear them, really. If you don't tell us, we won't know. Your life's our heritage. When you're older, Maybe. I know what you're asking. For family history and time travel? Very tricky. Just for an hour. See you from a distance. <sighs> What's the point in having a mate with a time machine if you can't nip back and see your grand when she were younger? Uh, sorry, that slightly jumped. It was, uh, it was me trying to um, shorten the, the clip a little bit to a, a, a playable length. So, um, Mike? Oh, it's Mike dropped off. Are you hearing me, Ian? 
Yes, I'm muted here because I've got dogs barking in the background. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I, nobody's answering me. Mike uh, has dropped off, but at least he doesn't close out. So, uh, Darth, you, I know this is a, perhaps one you want to talk about at some length. <laughs> Maybe, although I intended you to say best episode of Doctor Who ever and leave it at that. Oh, uh, well, I, I, works for me. But give us at least some why and uh, a nugget of why it was uh because it does what a number of different episodes do this year um and that is live up to the original remit of the program which is to educate us about things that really happened whether in science or literature or art or history um and to do so in a way that is entertaining, but without losing sight of the essential truth of the thing that it's trying to teach us about. Now, I may be a little bit unusual in terms of the audience in that I did know quite a bit about partition going into it. And, and so therefore I was sort of vested in how they were going to bring it about. And also, what was going to be the alien element? Because it's pretty well established at this point that we can't have like a true historical, though Rosa comes really close to being a true historical uh, anymore. Uh, and yet, this also, for other reasons, comes really close to being a true historical. Uh, because the aliens that are in it are merely observers they are not an active part of what is really going on uh, and in that way it really becomes about the mystery for yaz and indeed about the um, familial impact of partition and I think that's the way that you get audiences to care about history or to care about anything real is you say, well, this is the impact that it is having on an individual family or simply an individual. And then you can understand the event better because it's, it's just, you say that a million people died in partition as this episode mm -hmm. does. And that is such an enormous figure. That's hard for you as an audience member to understand that. You just sort of think, wow, that's a big number. And you don't really understand why they died or what was the issue or whatever. But by showing us how one person died because of partition, and especially by refracting it through the lens of World War II, which, of course, partition was very much about what happened after World War II. Uh, you turn world history on its ear, I think, for a lot of viewers. Because if you live in America or you live in Britain or whatever, you generally think of the end of World War II being a triumph over fascism, a triumph for democracy, and that lives after World War II were better than lives before World War II. And that's generally the broad stroke truth really, for America, for Britain, for Australia, for New Zealand, uh, 
uh, you know, once you get rid of the Japanese Empire and the Nazi Germany, your life probably is better. But as you can see here, that's not really the case for India. Yes, you got freedom after uh, World War II, but then you got this, uh, this horrible, horrible event. And one of the great things about this episode is the way in which the World War II veteran is the one that gets shot. Thanks for your service, bang. Which is just horrible, you know, but that is the reality of what, what happened in a lot of individual cases. A, a lot of those one million who died were people who had fought in World War II or people who were at least, you know, like other parts of the allied force. Uh, ones who believed in democracy and believed in freedom. And yet they died as a result of independence. It almost, it, it, it's almost nonsensical in a way. It really warps your brain to think about it. And I think this episode does a great job of showing the conundrum that was uh, partition. And if you're not more interested in partition after this episode, I kind of think you weren't paying attention more than that it would be the episode's fault for not making it interesting and engaging and uh, pushing you towards that greater education. Most every review that I've heard about this episode has the reviewer saying, I didn't know anything about partition, but it made me immediately go to Wikipedia. That's a win. And that's not something that is done that often with Doctor Who anymore. Uh, and it's great to see it happen. And and do you feel as though this one did it better than the Rosa episode did? I mean, do, do, you, do you make a comparison between the two or not? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, there are three strong historicals in this series, right? And I think each one of them handles uh, it differently, which is great, you know, because I think one of the things that sort of happened in the 60s with historicals is that they became a little bit samey. Um, and you have you know, to you have one, be, yeah. You, well, you would be forgiven for not really understanding the difference between, I don't know, Reign of Terror and the massacre. Like, if you were watching Reign of Terror and you got to like episode four or something, and somebody slipped in episode three of Massacre, if it existed, I bet you'd be like, Maybe it's the same episode. You know, I'm a little confused. I don't know who the Stephen guy is. Uh, I don't know why the doctor is, you know, playing this other character exactly. But I bet you'd be like, well, maybe it's part of the same history because it's still France, you know. Um, but what is interesting about this season is that each one of these has had a different flavor. Each one of them has had a different structure. You know, the Rosa one is very much just a literal reenactment of the event. And if you don't reenact it faithfully, then the event fails and, you know, who knows what happens to the web of time. Uh, this one is not, this one is investigating a central mystery in the lives of one of our companions. And it's not at all about uh, making sure that the event happens anymore. It's just about trying to figure out what did happen for real. And why is this guy whom she's going to marry not her grandfather? 
And in a way, this is more successful because you don't know what the ending is. I mean, you do, if you have any knowledge of partition, you kind of know from the very beginning, this guy's going to bite the bullet, literally. He has to. There's no other explanation for this. But if you didn't know that about partition, I think you would be completely horrified at the final gunshot. And I think that the you know focus on the doctor at the time that the sound effect goes off, particularly effective you know, in cementing that moment as a chilling moment. And, and indeed, I would say, personally, this is the scare. What well, this is the scariest moment in Doctor Who. Like the moment where he is facing down his um, accusers. Well, his brother, really. Yeah. Uh, I, I was scared. I was actually scared, even though I kind of knew he had to die. But I was almost scared that he wouldn't die. I was almost scared that Doctor Who would shy away from what it had to do. And then even when it happens, it's like, man, that really sucks. That really drives home uh, the horror of man's humanity, inhumanity to man. Um, yeah, brother so, against brother. You know, the, the, the spider thing, well realized, sure, but if you're not particularly scared of spiders, it, you know, if you're talking about monsters, I would I would still call Tooth and Claw kind of scarier, because wolves are more scary to me than, you know, spiders. But if you're talking about like genuine terror about what is happening, this is much more real to me. You know, I also think, you know, one of the reasons that this is maybe better than I don't know Marco Polo, which is another great episode, historical episode. Uh, is the production value. I mean, there's, it's not fair in a sense to compare, you know, 2018 episode to a 2000, uh, to a 63, 64 episode. Uh, but... Mask of Well, Mask of is not pure historical. Exactly. Um, oh, by the way, Mask of this side thing. If you are somebody who is playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, expect for a massive part of that game to be Mask of Mandragora related. It's fantastic. Anyway, um, the uh, I know it doesn't make any sense, but it is right there. Herodotus and everything. Anyway, um, the uh, uh, production values on this thing. I mean, I know it's not, in fact, uh, the Punjab, but man, does Spain make a pretty great uh, substitute for that? And added to, you know, the anamorphic lenses that we're using now uh, and some just genuinely beautiful direction. Just the shot choices in this thing really sell you on. This would actually, in other circumstances, be a gorgeous place to live. I could, you know, be very happy being here. And and that helps, you know, the if you're going to think about Doctor Who is a show that has struggled at times over the years to figure out how best to use locations. This is sort of the pinnacle, I think, of when you have to use location settings and how filming in a location that is clearly not written uh, can really help to sell a story. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, there have been times where I've watched just parts of this story over the last few months. And just been happy to lose myself in like the first little bit, you know, when they're they're initially encountering 
the guy who's going to die, the whole cart that he's on, that whole thing at the very beginning. You know, I love the beginning of Doctor Who. And in almost every era, the first few minutes of Doctor Who is almost always great. But this episode, particularly great. Uh, and, and in the same way, it's reinforced later. You know, some of the, the, the shot choices are sort of reinforced later in the season as a great way to do Doctor Who. Like when you go to the episode that is set in Norway or Sweden. Which one is it? Scandinavia, whichever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the... You know, the oddly named one. At the it takes episode you away. Nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they make it. They make a similar sort of shot choice at the beginning of that to set you very clearly in a location, uh, and that really helps you get into the mood of that episode. And I think this, it, the way that this thing is shot, in concert with the central mystery, the structure of it, all great. Uh, and you know, it's also in contradistinction to. The historical episode that follows it as well as the one that before it uh you know the witch finders not really about this doesn't have this structure at all in fact the witch finders is uh, you know if this is if the first episode is about sort of making sure that history plays out the way that it did this one is about making sure that history uh that you find out what the, you don't know how it turned out so therefore you're trying to figure out what happened then the witch finders is about actively interfering with history, you know, so they're all three quite different to one another. And that makes this episode stronger, you know, because it's not, it's not something that is repeated in the series, even though it is one of the series that has a lot of historicals in it. So. Okay. Um, Ian, do you, can you play the second clip? I mean, I think for the last one, we might have to skip to just one clip, but I think for this one, can you play, uh, Clip eight, and we may go to clip nine as well, straight after if you want. Okay. Number one, the man Umbrian is about to marry is not my granddad. Defo, totally sure? Yes. For starters, Prem's a Hindu name. We're Muslim. And he doesn't look anything like the photos. It's not him. And that Umbrian, she's your nan, right? Yeah, she does look like the photo. But Prem's wearing the watch your nana gave you in the future. So what? She had a secret Hindu first husband? Uh, Doc, I reckon that cow's nearly up, mate. We can't go. I came here for answers. All I've got is more questions. I knew this would happen. Can anyone help me with this? I'll help. I'm Yaz. Great. Thanks, Yaz. Big moment. You won't forget this in a hurry. You're right there. Shouldn't have come. I'm too nice. This is what happens when you try to be nice. Who wants to know what they're listening to in there? Yep, yep. After much delay and amid escalating communal violence, Lord Mountbatten has finally released the specific details of the border which will separate the two countries. What borders are they talking about? Pakistan. Today, India's officially cut into pieces. It's the 17th of August. And still you want to go ahead? Nothing changes, Mum. We knew this was coming. Sorry, don't mean to sound stupid. What year is it exactly? Same year you have in England. 1947. Partition. We're in the middle of the partition of India. And here's the second. Right? Yes? No? Yes? yes? Well, just before you say that, um, if I was um, in Quantum Leap, right? If I was the mm. star of Quantum Leap, I could have gone mm. to that time zone because I was already alive. I was born in 46. There you go. Anyway, there you go to the next. Never did this when I was a man. <laughs> Doctor, you and your jokes. 
Yeah, that's right. My references to body and gender regeneration are all in jest. Such a comedian. Umbreen <laughs> <laughs> doesn't think these are my best work. But maybe if you had to prepare a body this morning, you wouldn't draw so well either. So, how long have you known Brem? Our whole lives. We grew up here together. Our families have worked the land alongside each other for generations. I can't believe it's happening. I waited so long for him. All the time he was away fighting. I was terrified he wouldn't come home. But he did. And now I see my life mapped out with him. Our home here. If they let us stay. Nobody cares what we do here, Mum. It's not a city. I stood outside earlier. I heard gangs in the distance. Motor vehicles, gunshots. It's a long way away. It's not too late. I can still find you a good Muslim man. Are you joking right now? Look at the misery that follows him. You don't even have a priest. What sort of respectable wedding will it be? I don't care about traditions. I don't care about respectable... Wait, you're a doctor, right? That's respectable. You could marry us. Don't be ridiculous. I suppose I could. No, doctor? I haven't officiated a wedding since Einstein's. His parents didn't approve either. And I've just two things on that uh, that last clip is that one, you can imagine quite a few Asian families probably having that sort of conversation about, you know, I'll find you a good man and and this, that and the other. And um, Darth, I, I know you've said your piece on this one, but um, did you not think how well the music was evocative in the, in the background to that clip? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't really talk about the music. The music was great and and you know proves the sort of rule that i think people have gradually come to understand about akinola's work this season and that is that he is able to be chameleon like and to make his uh, music sound completely different from one episode to the next excellent okay um well i, I... As I said, I won't talk uh, long because we, we need to move on. And as Inez already said, we, we did have our little uh, conversations at the end of the uh, the different commentaries that uh, are out and available. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it, thought it was an actual standout uh, episode indeed, this one. And I thought the young girl playing uh, the, the, the bride-to-be, as it were, here, uh, absolutely fabulous. Uh, Amita Suman, is it? how you pronounce the name but um absolutely uh wonderful uh i, I don't know if it was accurate but it, it there was a sense of um, a woman with destiny i don't know whether that's the right word but it, I, I thought it, it it was wonderfully portrayed um and even the like bradley walsh um as graham doesn't have a lot to do in this part but his little asides his little points of reference is little keeping people on trap and track and uh, and suggesting courses of action uh, very consistent with his character uh, and even ryan um you know i suppose you could argue ryan played the sort of uh, what's happening now doctor you know what's going on in this particular episode uh, we have seen episodes where he is uh, he's made a, a larger contribution than that but um, you know it's it is a crowded TARDIS, but I, I feel as though, uh, you know, in this particular episode, even in their minor roles in this one, 
you know, they were adding to it. Um, uh, and I did like uh, the overall story. Uh, the only couple of scenes I wasn't so sure of um, when we first see these aliens sort of stand on the cliff, I did for a moment get a bit of a Sarah Jane vibe about it. Um, and I don't know whether it was the, the over, to say that these people had changed their long-term history of being assassins into being basically gatherers of souls. Um, the effect of the the silhouette of their like ravens, they were like ravens um, and uh, and death and, and so on, um, was probably done for that effect where it didn't really sit well with what they were now doing. And one last thing, and I think I mentioned this on the commentary, the scene inside the spaceship where we see all the souls reminded me very much of uh, the assassins from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, the way they collected, uh, well, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but they collected the faces of uh, people who had passed away, not people they killed, but people who had passed away that they cared for and bathed um, and helped them in their passing. So, Ian, um, I think with time yes. pressures, we need to move on to, uh, by the way, uh, that was Demons and Child, uh, November the 11th, and it had an AI rate. And we're now on the final one for today's Kablam, which aired. November the 18th and has an AI rating of 81 and I think we'll just whenever you want to just do the first and last clip of these so that would be 10 and 12 at some point I just want to talk about this episode real quick okay then get chance you skip me <laughs> Did I skip you um yeah you oh, apologies, That's apologies. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see how you are I'm trying to make it a better show by by, by keeping me silent <laughs> All right. Um, really, it, it, it is really quick because I mean, you you you've both pretty much covered the points that I've made. Uh, one thing I want to bring up is, you know, one of the things that people seem to overlook in time travel is the time part. And um, this one thing that uh, that Yaz says that it actually just struck me in the clip is they're like, "And you sure it's your nan?" And she's like, "I think so." And people are like, "Well, when you she got back to the the present, how did they not recognize her?" It's like. A lot of time has passed. Do you remember uh, the face of everybody you've seen? And it was over the period of, what, a day and a half that they were there? It's like, and there were a lot more significant things going on. And things vanish. Um, I remember things from childhood, but I couldn't really tell you right now if those memories are because of stories I've heard or that they are real memories. Um, and so, you know, history has a way of, of, of being swept under the rug in your own mind and of course in the history books. And this is uh, a good example. Um, and yeah. like Dara said, it's it's one of the great, great things about uh, Doctor Who that, that this episode achieves is that it lifts up the rug and sweeps this back out and says, hey, did you forget? And, and it does it in a way that, um, which I like. It doesn't dump um, the, the, the doctor and companions in the middle of this invasion or um, in the middle of a big city where all this stuff's going on outside. It's, it's taken down to a personal level, which is really the best way to do something like this. And it does it so well. You know, it's set right on the border. Um, 
and 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 there's all this stuff going on within this one family and and the, the scenes at the end are heartbreaking and it really kind of i guess it really makes you want to go and look it's not like a here's the start and end of this event it's here's the beginning here's how it affected this one family in this small area um and it really kind of makes you go what else happened you know how did this happen where did we get to and and it, it, it does it great and uh location filming i'm i'm a huge fan of the of the filming of this entire series because like i said before they, they've made good use of everywhere they've gone um and and this is a prime example you don't it's not. I, I'm sure if you're from Pakistan, you're probably like, oh, that's, there's no way that's Pakistan. But for the bulk of the the viewing audience, um, they don't see England, so it's you buy into it. Um, it, it. It's one of those things where if you sit there and think about, oh, I wonder where they filmed that, then then they've done something wrong. Um, you don't think did they really film this in India? um it, it it's one of those things it's, it's not jarring so you don't think about it so you get into the story um i love it it's it's, it's a great story um one of the another thing that came up in the clip is is the doctor's line um about the regeneration it's still going on in her in her head um but this is a change the doctor and it's going on in her mind and she's kind of keeping it away from everybody and every now and then she makes a a joke about you know her her you know changing gender and and it's quite neat um that that it's kind of uh alluded to in this that the doctor's you know still kind of adjusting and, and i like that um but it's not something that's like, oh yeah, I used to be, yeah, no. But you know, I don't know how if I'm explaining it right, but yeah, I, I like that line. It, it just shows that there's there's stuff going on in the doctor's head that we're not, you know, aware of, and and she just kind of was like, oh, this is this is weird. I'm I'm with the girls. <laughs> I'm not over with the guys. I'm normally over with the. Ooh, this is weird. You know. Um, so yeah i love it it's a great episode um and 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 well well worth the efforts that they've put together on you know having this uh non-threatening alien uh who's just there to witness and, and it's great you know love it all right shall we move on yep indeed um uh darth do you want to go first on this one you want me to play a clip first, Dave, or you want to just go straight in? Oh, yes, yes. So play a clip, yeah, please. Which one? Uh, preference? Uh, no, the first, yeah, the first one, I think, because that sets the scene quite nicely. Okay, here we go. What's that? Delivery for the Doctor. Ah, he's a one man! It's a water man! You're just making sounds now. Delivery fulfilled. And remember, if you want it, come blam it. Space postman, I've seen it all now. 
delivery bots. Kablam's the biggest retailer in this galaxy. I don't remember ordering anything. Must have been a while back. <sighs> what do you think? Still me? Nice. Check it out. They even use bubble wrap. <laughs> Doctor, look at this. The back of the packing slip. Help me. Probably someone just bought out their mind smoking about. Trust me, I've been there. Should have seen what used to hide inside the trainers. What if it's not? What if someone really is in trouble? Can't hurt to check, can it, Doc? Right, Kablam, here we come. Okay. Graham, Graham's thoughts on that, the whole thing. Um, you're just making noise, isn't it? Space postman, <laughs> seen it all. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, Darth, uh, I don't know how how well you want to cover this episode, but we may be a bit time constrained. Hmm. All that, right. was subtle, um, that? that was subtle, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, don't go on. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is, yeah, don't talk. Uh, this is one of my least favorite episodes of the season. It might be my least favorite, I guess. But even so, I think it uh, is useful social commentary uh, about something that. Uh, would have been in people's minds at the very time that it was broadcast, because I think this was broadcast, at least in America, during Black Friday week. And so... November the 18th. Oh, it was just the 18th? I thought it was the next week. In the UK, well, the 18th in the UK anyway. Well, it would have been the same week. I don't know, maybe I'm... I don't... I remember it being the same week as Black Friday, so maybe... Maybe that was Thanksgiving. I can't. I can't quite remember. But anyway, my point is, it would have been around the time that people were starting to use Amazon, and this is very clearly a sort of a criticism about Amazon and about how um, the sort of not brick and mortar revolution has taken away some jobs because a lot of it could be fulfilled through robots, uh, and also about obviously things that are uh relevant to a lot of people who shop online that is you know how ads are targeted towards you depending on what it is that you have already ordered or whatever i thought all that was really interesting and a good use of the format uh to have some criticism about social things in the same way that arachnids had a lot of social commentary in it as well um but for me whatever it, it just didn't the ending wasn't that satisfying uh and again you know i know in this very episode i've talked about well the ending doesn't really matter that much to talk to you because it's rarely that satisfying i guess it's a matter of degrees as to what it is that you like or what you get upset by or what you know doesn't quite connect for you to me the notion that the bubble wrap was the enemy uh doesn't make a lot of sense because Surely that would have, why would you be trying to blow up your own consumer base? It kind of, as a plan, as an evil villain plan, it kind of makes no sense. And I realized that it, it was a plan hatched by a worker there. So he was trying to sort of disrupt uh, the Kerblam service. But still, why kill the innocent to 
affect change. It kind of, the plan just kind of doesn't make sense to me. Maybe I just didn't think it through enough. Maybe I haven't watched the episode enough times. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm also pissed off by the fact that I was promised Lee Mack and I barely got Lee Mack. Uh, <laughs> that really does rankle me because now that's both Lee Mack and Mitchell, David Mitchell, and who's and and written uh, web all three of these great sort of contemporary comedians in uh britain who've kind of gotten the shaft by dr who who've just appeared very lightly and i don't like that because you could all three of them you know i mean lee mack had his own very popular comedy show you know he's not just Ooh. the guy from not, not not going out yeah yeah he's not just you know somebody who appears on panel shows david mitchell got a Christmas special this year for Upstart Crow, you know, basically took the Doctor Who spot. And he like Skinner? only gets, he only, well, yeah. Well, Skinner got actually an okay deal. Yeah, he got a good, yeah. Yeah, but, but definitely, you know, Mitchell and Webb got kind of screwed by it. And yeah. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the, the stunt telling me at the very first episode that I'm going to get to see somebody whoever that actor is, means that I really should see them for the whole episode, not just for a little bit, I guess. And Lee Mack, I think, is a substantial enough star that really he deserved better than what he got. Though, if you're looking for somebody to represent the everyday working man, I mean, that's his brand, right? Um, but but still, I, I was very unsatisfied that he got killed off so early. And after that, I was like, well, I, I honestly felt a little bit gypped by the episode, to be honest with you. Um, and I wasn't that predisposed to what then was going to ensue. So is it surprising to me that the ending was not satisfying to me? Not really, but if it had been better somehow, I, I probably would have gotten over the misuse, I think, of Lima. And, you know, you can add Bill Bailey into that, too. Bill Bailey clearly got screwed by Doctor Who. There's so many. And yet, who's the oh, one yeah. comedian? Who's the one comedian that actually got you know, some decent amount of time in Doctor Who. That guy from Kendall. Kendall. Yeah, Kendall. <laughs> Great. Let's celebrate that strand of British humor. Uh, you know, it makes me. It really makes. You know, I have a feeling that if the most pro Doctor Who, I mean, the pro, most pro Doctor Who comedian in British history, who's probably Dawn French, right? If she uh, got a part in Doctor Who, she'd probably be gone in like one second. And that would piss me off so much when she should be the legitimate star of the entire thing. But whatever. Uh, uh, Bell Reed? Bell Reed in the Cyberman one? She classed as a comedian? Is she? Is she? That's <laughs> a very valid question. I don't know. But certainly not a comedian on the order of Lee Mack or, or David Mitchell. I mean, come on. You know, David Mitchell is sort of the hottest comedian property in Britain, yeah. I think. So who knows? But. I mean, it was an okay episode. It was filmed. It was, and by no means do I hate it. Do I think it's probably still better than a lot of things in the last series? Yes. Um, but, you know, if, since this is a series long review, how does it stack up against the other episodes? That's a valid question. To me, not that well, but still, it's a really good attempt to do some sort of relevant social commentary. And I think that's been one of the strong suits of this series is that almost every episode 
does try to do a little bit of social commentary at least and this was relatively successful it's just too bad about the bubble wrap like i i'm actually a little bit offended by the bubble wrap for the same reason that a lot of people like it in this episode you know they like it as a meta reference to the fact that in ark in space the we're in were created through bubble wrap or not the we're in themselves but the transform transformative process that was exhibited on some humans in that episode uh i don't think that's a good reason to suddenly make your alien literally bubble wrap <laughs> you know and I, and to me that's a little bit too on the nose i i guess as a doctor who reference so i uh, just no on the bubble wrap just vote no for bubble wrap <laughs> okay. plus why didn't why would when the doctor opened up and got the fez which was a great gag by the way and a great way to sort of reference the past in sort of a subtle way. Um, was there not bubble wrap in there? And why did it not explode? And why was Graham the stupid one at the end wanting to bust the bubble wrap when he knew it was deadly? I mean, it kind of, the gag is just a little bit too labored for me, I think. Okay. Um, I think we've got Ken joining us, so I'll, I'll just unmute him. We'll confirm that, and then uh, perhaps you can play another clip. Let me just unmute. Ken, is that you joining us? Hi there. Ah, good. Yeah. Thanks for making the end of it. Um, just let Ian um, play the second clip, if you can, from Kablam, and then okay. uh, if Ian's okay, we'll we'll go to you. Yeah, I'll put my bubble wrap down. Okay, here we go. Here's the next clip. Where are these packing slips generated from? I don't know. They just arrive here. Our little instruction slips. Kira, have you ever met anyone here who's worried or needs help? Help with what? I don't know. Someone who's having a hard time or got themselves into trouble. Word of advice. The teammates can hear everything, if they choose. Everything? Constant, random monitoring. No such thing as privacy here. Are you from the Union? Is that it? Just trying to get a sense of the place. Well, let's wait to get along. Do as you're told. Try not to bump into the robots. If you can manage that, you might end up on a poster. That's you. Film star looks. <laughs> I'll get extra credit for it. Sent a poster to my little girl for her bedroom wall. How old is she? Six. Where is she? She's upstairs. She's head of finance. <laughs> well, she's back home on Kandoka. She made me this. Lacquered with Arcadium. Outlast anything, this one. Including me. Actually, that's a bit depressing. Hello, co-workers. Please confine social interaction to leisure breaks. Uh, yeah, that was the clip we were going to skip, but uh, since it had Lee Mack in, I felt we couldn't mm -hmm. skip it after that. Uh, yeah. Ken, uh, you join us. We're on the last of our four that were coming. Yes, I know. Your arachnoids. To go. Um, is this an episode that interests you? Uh, do you want to just spend a, a brief time on... I'll, I'll do a little bit of each real fast, real fast. I know you're at the end. Okay. Um, Kablam. Nice social satire. 
I, it, to me, it's not going to be one of the greatest ever that I'm going to keep watching and watching and watching. Loved a bit with the Fez in the beginning. Uh, I, I thought that was really funny. Um, I found it refreshing that it wasn't the corporate menace, how one would think that it was the, the Amazon archetype that was behind the great evil. There was a lot of red herrings, weren't they? Yeah, it was refreshing. And I thought, I thought it was very, the melancholy, sad loss of, of the young girl really put a kind of touching twist on it. I thought the robots were great. The whole kind of endless look of the factory, there were some good effects. Um, all in all, you know, pretty nifty episode. Um, you know, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, going back now, Demons of the Punjab, brilliant. One of the best of the season. The whole mystery of what was happening, you know, uh, about her grandmother's marriage. The social uh, attitude of the times. The historical factor of it. Just beautifully told. And I have to say, this is a groundbreaking season. You know, despite what some foolish critics are saying, the social consciousness has always been in Doctor Who, and they have used it beautifully this season. You know, whether it's that, that or Rosa, you know, coming up aspects in, in, which, in, in uh, which hunters, um, which finders, excuse me. Um, yep. It's really excellent. It's really excellent. Uh, Tsunga Conjundrum. Interesting little takeoff on Alien with really kind of wacky uh, monster put in. Just very inventive, I thought, for that. And the male pregnancy was handled, you know, deftly and, 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 and nicely done and got the emotion and really uh, shadings out of our regular uh, cast, of the family cast. And that's, again, been growing all through the season, that even an episode like Arachnids in the UK, which I really didn't like that much, I had, except great spider effects, rather too broad satire, and the Donald Trump-esque villain, I didn't think was used properly. Uh, you know, so I think it was kind of like, eh. It was okay, and it wasn't really a good, a good ending to it. The problem really didn't seem solved. Um, there were still spiders, uh, apparently, in England, if somebody can answer me, um, going around uh, creating havoc. Not every, I don't think every spider went, it went into the panic room there. But, um, again... Really strong episodes continuing on the season. Uh, Jody does a, a good job. I I don't think she's as strong as I'd like her to be. But again, as Ian said, she's continuing the the process of regeneration. She's still just not right, and I like how she's working on that. You know, it, it, she reminds me a bit of uh, Peter Davison in the beginning. When he's having problems, when it was like you know right off the bat, and I like that. Um, but but some great stuff, some really great stuff, and um, 
I don't want to talk too long. I know how late in the hour it is. Okay. Well, thanks for those contributions. Uh, and, um, Ian, uh, do you want to play the final clip and then you go so we don't miss you? Oh, my God. You'd better have a very good excuse for breaking in here. Your group loops told me you were back here. Ah, oh, I knew that. I forgot that. That's the problem with conspiracies. There's so much to think about. Whatever I said, we got lost. Ended up in here by accident, just as the filing cabinet weirdly fell open. How would that play? There were no shuttles from Kandoka today. I checked. Who are you? Industrial spies? I was being honest with you earlier. We got a message, someone needed help, and we came. People are vanishing, and Mr. Slade is keeping a running tally. Seven people so far. According to these notes, it started four months ago with two workers. The next month, another. This month, four. The disappearances are on the increase. No wonder people are sending out cries for help. And as head of people for Kablam, I suggest you're guilty of some serious negligence. Another power drain? That's not a power drain. That's a total system blackout. Power's drained right down to the foundation levels. What's down in the foundation levels? I can help with that. Charlie, what are you doing up here? Sorry, Judy. He's with me. And he's with us. And they are the original plans for Kablam. What are you doing with those, those are company artifacts? Was this down to you? More urgent question. If everything's automated and all the power shut down, why is that robot still active? Oh, good question. Back behind me, everyone. Error reported. Error reported. Ian reported. Already. Yeah. Um, I, I, I apologize in advance. My, my dog's getting tired of being locked up, so uh, <laughs> he's complaining. Um, yeah, I actually really, really enjoyed this. Um, and I actually think Lee Mac was used. You see, I always worry when they put comedians in Doctor Who that it's, they're going to be, it's going to be played. Their part, at least, is going to be played too much for comedy. She really liked Lee Mac's performance in this. And I loved his part in this because it's really kind of heartbreaking. You know, and I think he did a brilliant job. When they did that splash at the beginning after the first episode of all the people who are going to be in, I'm like, oh, I like Lee Mac, but I don't know if I want him in Doctor Who because this is just going to be like cracking his jokes all the time. But it wasn't. It, it was really touching and, and and nice. And and you really kind of, he made you basically fall in love with him, you know? And, you know, that's what you want. And it's like, uh, Bill Bailey, as, as we mentioned, you know, was completely wasted in the Christmas special. And it's just, he didn't get to do anything. Nothing at all. It was just, why was he even there? But here, at least Lee Mack had something to do to further the storyline. He was explaining basically the way things worked around here. You know, he needed to be away from his family and go work there, um, you know, because, you know, uh, for his family. And it was it was great. It was lovely. Um, the Kablam robots, I thought, were delicious looking. Uh, loved the gag, the beginning, of course, with the, the Fez. Um, and and even the the arrival at the Kablam, you know, head office, and everything looked delicious. Yeah, it's not like a pivotal story, but I I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, Dave and I actually, Dave and I actually got some, some good... Uh, um, some good use out of the whole Kerblam gag because we send some stuff to each other at Christmas and uh, 
<laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we, we kind of uh, did some little little uh, gags based on the whole Kerblam bubble wrap thing. And, and that's the thing is, is the whole bubble wrap thing. Everybody knows that nobody can resist you know, popping some bubble wrap. As soon as a package arrives here, you know, my son's like, yeah, I pop that. So I kind of buy that as it kind of goes along with, I think, what has been kind of a theme going through this of um, unsuspecting kind of bad guys and and not, things not being what they seem. I mean, throughout this episode, I was trying to guess who the bad guy was. And um, to me, that's a, a great thing in, in a piece of uh, television entertainment when you can't predict it. I, um, I, I watched an episode, the, the first episode of uh, Discovery uh, last night. And, um, you know, I was totally going, yeah, this is going to happen next. Uh, yeah, this is going to happen next. And uh, probably about 60 to 80% of the time I was right. This, I, I had no idea. No idea until the reveal. And, I, and that I enjoy. Um, so I think that's a great deal of, you know, praise as, as far as plotting goes. And it's a nice little kind of like, you know, um, you know, is this where we're headed, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I love this episode and I thought it was a great deal of fun and, uh, and you need a bit, you need that bit of, especially after just coming up with Demons of the Punjab, you need a bit of light end. Um, and yeah. Great episode. Uh, uh, all the guest actors actually, and it were really great. Um, so yeah, uh, over to you, Dave, because we're all out of clips, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be very brief indeed. But um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, the 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 one flaw I had with the the the, the this guy's thinking was the fact that it said that the reason why things had not happened and he was waiting for the the big launch was that he was trying to get the minimum amount of explosive that would be lethal but use the minimum amount of stuff but of course if you get a bubble rack that's you know a meter square by the time you open it out from the box that's got a thousand bubbles on it they don't know which bubble you're going to press now you could admit well you might press them all but um you, you've got to fill almost every bubble with the, the gas so i thought that was a little bit logic uh, i like the eye robot scene at the end Although, the, again, the flaw with that was that all the boxes were the same. Is everything that's sent from Kablam the same size? Um, and, and we've had a few of these sort of slightly um, not fully thought out. I mean, the, the one where the, the, the Dalek was dispersed throughout history, uh, you know, it was buried only a foot underground. Uh, there, there wasn't things taken to that. Um, uh, one or two of the other episodes that, the spiders it wasn't sort of logically thought through completely um so i think some of these stories if you examine them overly much uh you can find fault but the thing that we've always gone on i think the premise i've always gone under anyway is the fact that if i'm enjoying an episode uh, those flaws i can brush aside if i'm not enjoying the episode i'm bored or it's slow then those little things those irritability things become, you know, brain break points. And I think this series have kept the right side of that. Um, the things that have, have, have slightly annoyed me have not been enough to throw me out of the episode and have continued to go on. But I would say that, that there's an awful lot of this series that uh, watching a second or third time 
improves. Um, I, I know Mike earlier on said that like one of them had, had really gone down his estimation. Uh, and I'm not too sure. I mean, there are some now I may not watch too often, but I don't, I can't, I'm finding it hard to think of any that have gone down on a second or third watch. Uh, so that is, um, you know, Ken Deep used to always say that, uh, you know, from Prop 2 Podcast, that, um, you know, as it got rewatchability, that was there, his watchword of to whether he was watching good Doctor Who. But I think we ought to bring it to a halt now. Just before we get to Ian say our goodbyes and play us out, um, we're not entirely sure when we'll be back for the, the third and final part of this, when we'll cover the, the final three stories, the Witchfinders, It Takes You Away, uh, the battle of that one, and an overall look at the series. Um, although we, we, we've done that in effect by doing these three parties. We'll also, just a heads up, probably very shortly moving to a, a month, once a month format for the live shows. We've still got another commentary to get out, which is the commentary for resolution. So, uh, and I'm saying this as well for Darth, because sometimes it's difficult to get a message to him. Um, um, it, it, we'll, we'll talk after we end the recording, but um, we won't be back next week maybe not for two weeks um but if you're on the facebook if you use facebook ask to join our cotton collective facebook page because we always put the information there and if you're on twitter follow cult them on twitter because we usually give up heads up there as to upcoming episodes so i'll leave it now for ian to uh, take us out and if i've missed anything out ian please add in Alrighty, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> sorry, my dogs are going crazy. <laughs> ah, doggies. Um, yes, join us uh, next time, whenever that is, uh, for our wrap-up on this. Um, and, uh, yeah, we thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for Ken. Um, I'm sorry you were so rushed. Um, wish we had had more time. But, um, yeah, hopefully you can join us for some of the later ones and then if anything else crops up that you want to mention. Because, like Dave said, we were going to wrap up at the end of what we, you know, overall thoughts. So if there's anything you, you, know, you want to bring up then, please feel free. Um, yeah. Dave, you had, uh, you had put that uh, the, the, the theme in there. Did you want me to use that at the end again, too? Or? Yeah, yes, why not? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. okay. All right. So yes, until next time. Uh, unfortunately, Dave, like they said, Dave and I are busy. I've got theater responsibilities. He's got other responsibilities outside of of Colton, But we will try and uh, meet up again and, and uh, put the series to rest. Till the next one. All right. So until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. It's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.